It is time for our first sad, but maybe expected, Miami sports podcast of the NFL season. And I say expected because I think we all expected the Dolphins to lose, guys. By the way, Will Manso, Clay Furrow, Lang here on the podcast. We all expected the Dolphins to lose. It's the way they lost, the way it felt familiar, the way it just seemed like. And I know Dolphin fans who are listening don't want to hear the same old Dolphins thing because we all believe that these aren't the same old Dolphins. But at least, Clay, for one Sunday, these were the same old Dolphins. Yeah, and I think we're all trying to figure out, is this going to be the same old Dolphins going forward, or was this an aberration? Was this a speed bump on the road to the playoffs in 2018? We're going to get into why we think it could go one way or it could go the other. I'm a little concerned about the offense, and I'll get into why. Yeah, and Dookie, I think that's where I take away the most of, of my concern, and number one being the injuries. Uh, in particular the offensive line, the shuffling that's gone around in there already having lost sitting for the season and Kilgore now and Hurt and the the bouncing around. We saw the bad snap to Ryan Tannehill that changed the game. And it wasn't an awful snap, but it certainly came in hot. It was tough for Tannehill to handle. The next play, the Patriots scored a touchdown. There are a lot of concerning things. And I think more than anything that I thought we saw on Sunday was that Bill Belichick has a reputation as a defensive-minded, just an overall great coach, but in specifically defensive-minded because he can take away the thing you do well. And the thing the Dolphins had done well in the first three weeks is gives their playmakers a chance in space to make plays. What does Belichick do? He says, I'm going to bring back guys in that secondary. I'm going to pack it all around there for Tannehill to have small windows to throw into. And he can dump off for a yard or two, but we're not giving him anything at that pass five, seven, eight, and then down the field more. And the Dolphins had no answer for it. And it was from the opening possession. We all saw what happened. The announcers, the broadcasters saying, look at the way the Patriots are playing. It concerns me that you can, can you can solve the Dolphins' offensive riddle, so to speak, like that. And Adam Gase said the Dolphins' offense had no answer for it. They had no answer for anything, Will. My overwhelming thought watching the game is, what are the Dolphins doing? Like, I, I mean that seriously. Like, what is their plan of attack? What is their strategy? What are they trying to do on offense? What are they trying to do on defense? They got killed on both sides of the line. They didn't touch Brady all day. They didn't give the ball to Kenyon Drake more than three times. Literally, they gave him three carries. Ryan Tannehill didn't look good. Tom, Br- you know what's you know what's scary about this? The Patriots jumped out to a thirty-eight to nothing lead, and I can argue that the Patriots didn't play very well the whole game. The Patriots are going to get a lot better. The Patriots that we saw well, on Sunday, Edelman's coming Julie back. Edelman's Josh coming back. Gordon, Gordon will get more comfortable. Correct. So. This this isn't even the best version of the Patriots. Tom Brady looked okay. Gronk had what four catches, forty yards. He didn't really do anything, and they were still up thirty-eight to nothing. Yeah. I mean, that was uh, what's more. Uh, I think the most upsetting part about this for me is like this is a huge opportunity, right? This is your team is three and zero, which is fine. Teams get off to hot starts. Adam Gase said a week and a half ago, that he had a team that started 6-0 and and didn't make the playoffs. And he so warned you, us to not, who cares about being in first right. in the record. So, he did, and we knew it. And, and we all kind of knew that, but, okay, so you go up to New England. This is your division rival. You win this game. You're the Miami Dolphins. You have two road division wins and a three-game lead. But, the but the, did you really think they'd win? I don't think we thought they'd win. It's the way. It's I the thought they'd that, show up. That's I, the I, I thought they. The I problem. thought they'd do something. I. Yeah. I mean, listen. If they went up there, I mean, 
against the Raiders, they pull out this all these trick plays and they go into their bag of tricks and they're so creative and you're looking at it and you're like, wow, Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson are playmakers and good on Adam Gase for finding a way to, to creatively get them the ball. And then he goes up to New England and it's the most vanilla inept game plan well that, again that give a might... lot of credit to belichick though and i'd like to give a lot more blame to gase no, i don't think the dolphins I, I think, did anything i, think, I don't think they did a thing i, I think I, they I really came don't. in with an idea that they can continue the things they were doing and belichick from the opening drive said no you're not you got to figure out another way of doing it now another way of doing it may have been run the ball a little uh, i am confused more than anything and it's not and even when they were three and oh Last week, they didn't use Kenyon Drake much, especially in the second half. What does Adam Gase think he has in Kenyon Drake or not? I loved the addition of Frank Gore in the offseason, I think for a lot of reasons, on top of the football player, but off the field, Clay. But Kenyon Drake's the Dolphins' best offensive weapon from a consistent point of view from running the ball and catching the ball. Adam Gase isn't putting the ball in his hand right now. It's shocking, and you're right. He is the best weapon that they have from the running back position. But what would you say is the thing that the Dolphins do best? What would you say is their offensive identity? Disappointing their fans. No, I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's what we're trying to get to. What is their identity? And, and I think you hit on it, by the way. I think you, you get the ball in space to your playmakers, yes. right? So when you're going up against Bill Belichick, you have to know he's going to take away what you do 100%. best. You have to know that that underneath stuff is not going to work unless you play perfect football. So what do the Dolphins do? They go out there, they commit penalties. Ryan Tannehill is inaccurate in the intermediate routes. He was missing throws underneath. He missed the deep ball. Ryan Tannehill can complete deep passes just fine when you're not expecting it. As you saw the game roll on and they needed to throw the ball deep, couldn't do it. And that's, uh, again, you can say that with a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, but the problem with this Dolphins offense is when you go up against a defense that is playing assignment football, that is disciplined, that is tackling, then you better be perfect. You cannot get behind the chains or else it is shot. You have no shot whatsoever, and that's what we saw on Sunday. Remember our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida, the best service. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. I think what was frustrating to me too, Dookie, and you know, when you look at this offense, the way they've played the last couple weeks, I haven't really been 100% impressed with the offense outside of the trick plays and the big plays the whole season. But I've thought that because of those trick plays, it's just like the, the peeling of the layer. Like there's your first layer. You have playmakers. And we talked last week how the Dolphins do have a couple of guys in Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson and even Kenny Stills too for the deep ball that can make a play. But what the problem that this offense has now run into is that when they don't make that play and that big play, they just get off the field too quick. They don't sustain drives. They don't make plays. You know, they don't get five on first down to set up an easy second and five to then get you know, maybe a third and one or get a first down on that second. And what's happening is the defense is getting gassed and then gashed eventually. We saw it against the Raiders where the Raiders had double the amount of plays, but the Dolphins, again, they made enough big plays to win. This week, though, against a team, as Clay just mentioned, that will take away those big plays, they before Brock Osweiler had that mop-up drive late in the game where they scored a touchdown and they ran some plays, again, it was a 2-1 to advantage. So what is the identity of this offense, and how is Adam Gase going to get to that identity? Because if it's live and die by the big play, 
they're going to lose a lot of games. Well, the Kenyon Drake thing, I think, is question number one, right? Because Ryan Tannehill, as we've said time and again, is Ryan Tannehill. He does. He makes Ryan Tannehill take plays. Occasionally, he can make something with his legs. He's good at short passes. Like Clay said, if you soften up the defense, he could go over the top. But Kenyon Drake is supposed to be the difference maker. I mean, he's your I, number one back. You try. So, so uh, take it back. Okay. Three carries. How well, many number one backs I, in the NFL get three? I don't carries? understand how that happens. Take it back a year and a half. Right, Jay Ajayi was getting 200-yard games. He was the star of the Dolphins' offense. Heading into last season, the big question was, who's going to be the running back for the Dolphins? Dolphins have no running backs. This is a big concern. And then, boom, the emergence of J.H.I. All of a sudden, J.H.I. was a star. Okay, great. There were some locker room issues. He didn't get along with Adam Gase. Gase punished him by sending him to win a Super Bowl with the understanding that, hey, we have Kenyon Drake, a guy who can be multidimensional, a guy who can run it up the middle, but a guy who also, he's not just a change of pace back, he's an every down back, he can catch, he can run, he can do all of these things. Then you go up to New England, your most important rival, the team who you must overtake if you're going to have any at shot of winning point. the division at some point, or at least to get in line to be the first when they eventually fall, if they ever do. Here's your, here's the guy. Three carries? Like, I, I, I hope... I hope that something comes out in the next couple of days. We tape this on Sunday night. I hope something comes out either that he was hurt and well, there was some sort Gase, of injury. Gase did say Sunday. I, it was on me. I, he should get the ball more. Or maybe there's something, you know, Gase, Gase likes to talk a lot about the locker room. And it's, a, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is on him. He's right. But maybe there's something going on in the locker room or in practice. Mm, maybe get a sense but of it, that. But if, if, if Kenyon Drake is, is dogging it, okay, or if Kenyon Drake is giving an effort that's so poor that he's only worth three carries, then Devontae Parker him. Make him inactive before the game. If you have that's, no intention of using him, no, and that's I, I your think... primary bat. Could you imagine, uh, Will, you're a Giants fan. Could you imagine if the Giants – Gave Saquon Barkley three carries. Well, well, they only gave him ten in a game that they needed to keep up with the Saints. So that's a whole other topic. Sorry I about think, that. No, I, I think with the I think the the bottom line with Adam Gase is his strength is supposed to be an offense and finding ways to get your playmakers the ball. And he's done a great job of that through three weeks. He did. When you look at again the aforementioned Kenny Stills, Albert Wilson, and Jakeem Grant, yep. but he has failed in finding a way of getting Kenyon Drake the ball in a playmaking fashion. And the one thing we've seen in flashes from Kenyon. Clay is in last season when he got his, his opportunities and he was one of the best running backs in the NFL over the last six weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. And even in preseason this year where he showed in glimpses is he can make a play out of nothing. He, he'll he get hit in the backfield and then spin out and have a 25-yard run. Outside of week one where he had one of those plays, we haven't seen it, but I really think it's a product of you're not going to him consistently and if teams are going to take away those trick plays, big plays, uh, intermediate routes, which they're all going to look at film and think the same thing, and they're going to try the same thing, they're going to have to get back to that bread and butter of running the ball with Kenyon Drake. If Kenyon Drake doesn't have 15, 20 carries against the Bengals next week, unless it's a blowout for some reason, they you know they fall behind early, that that's inexcusable. They need to get back to that identity. No, I'm, I'm with you, and especially, and again, I brought up the Belichick situation with the dink and dunk underneath because you knew Belichick was going to stop that, so this should have been the game where you give it to Kenyon Drake. You rely on your running game a little bit, and oh, by the way, that takes the ball out of Tom Brady's hands, and let's go back to your point about the 
the disparity in the number of offensive plays. Well, that happens when, yes, you're hitting big plays, and that's a great thing, but it also happens if you're going three and out. Yeah, and it also, way too means, many times. also means that your defense is on the field way oh, too and much. And when you get yourself, and we saw it in the preseason, when you did a story on Sports Sunday, you did a story about the penalties and mm-hmm. about it, the last year being awful penalties the year before. This year they had stayed away from it, but this offense is not capable, and there aren't many in the NFL that are, so I should preface by saying that, but this offense is not built to where – if you don't get four or five yards on that first down mm-hmm. and you have a penalty, now all of a sudden it's first and 15 or first and 20 or second and 20 or second and 15, which we saw situations like that. The Dolphins opened the game with four punts in a row on four straight third and longs that they failed to, to convert. How are you supposed to score points? How are you supposed to get any consistency on offense? And oh, by the way, because of it, to your point, you're getting off the field quickly. The defense is getting gassed. And, and when you look at the defense right now, the secondary has been very good this year, but you still have Rashad Jones now missing two games in a row, that mm-hmm. whole question lingering. Minka's going to have his rookie ups and downs, and we've seen it, even though for the most part he's been better. Uh, you look at the linebackers. Kiko's all over the field, but the other guys aren't really doing a lot more, a lot really to make plays. And then you look at the defensive line with the injuries. They're to the point where that strong rotation that you loved early in the season – because of the injuries to Hayes, because of the injury to Andre Branch, mm-hmm. because of the fact that you can't use Cam Wake 45 plays a game, they don't look very good right now. It, it's a huge problem. I mean, you saw Jesse Davis go in and play defensive tackle at, at a point last weekend because they were having problems on the on the defensive line. And I, I think we may have underestimated what an impact William Hayes made, especially when, mm-hmm. you're, when you're going up against the run. But look, I, I mean, any team can make injury excuses at this point in the season. I mean, you're, you're getting to the point where you're four games in now and guys are getting beaten up. How do you back up those guys, the next man up mentality? And you should have the depth along that defensive line in order to do that. Again, though, I I keep falling back on this. I'm willing to give the defense a pass based on what I saw in this game because you were going up against the desperate Patriots offense, and that defense was on the field way too much. So maybe a pass isn't the right word. I'm not as concerned about the defense. No, I'm not either. The offense, I I, I got questions about. I am really concerned. Like I said, I opened it saying, and I'll say it again, I'll probably say it again before we, we turn our attention to the Canes, is that this offensive line is not very good right now. Yep. And if you can't run the ball to take some pressure off Ryan Tannehill and defenses are figuring out what you like to do with the intermediate plays and you start to take that away, and then all of a sudden it's, hey, Ryan Tannehill, go win us games with an offensive line that's got you running for your life and not giving you time and not protecting, I don't know how this Dolphins offense is going to improve. I don't. And even when people were saying, I didn't buy into the hype of the offense, and I'm not saying this after the fact, we talked about it last week, they were averaging 25 points a game, but I would say half of the Dolphins' scoring opportunities in the first three games were all set up by special teams and defensive, you know, by getting creating turnovers. I mean, getting the ball down to the 20-yard line a couple times, you know, inside the 20, set up short fields. That's great. When that happens, the Dolphins will win football games. But on a day like Sunday where that didn't happen, the Dolphins had to go sustain drives and long drives, and we saw that they're just right now not capable of it and as the offensive line now suffers through injuries and inconsistent play, it's not a good sign for a team that's 3-1. and one. I don't want to sound doom and gloom, but with the Bengals, who are 3-1 and one and scoring a lot of points, you got to figure you got to score some points, you got to go there. Then you got to play a Bears team that's 3-1 and one at that playing defense, and all of a sudden Mitch Trubisky throws six touchdown passes. I look at these next couple weeks as season changers for the Dolphins. Will they change the narrative? I won't give them a pass for Sunday in the same way you say it, but I understand that it's just one loss and it's in Foxborough where they struggle. They're still 3-1. and one. These next two weeks to me 
I hate to say it, but the Dolphins season to me. Show me what you got. Can you really win one or two of these games? Because if they win one of them, and you're in a position where you're four and two coming at home against Detroit, you're still in a good spot if you can get some bodies back. Okay, I want to talk about sacks, but before I do that, I'm going to go to you guys, both of you, very quickly. Simple yes or no question. Will first, then Clay. Do the Dolphins lose the next two games? Uh, yes. Clay? No, split. Okay, I think, I think they, they I think they lose in Cincinnati. I think they find a way to get it done here. Okay, I think they do. I, I think they lose the next two games. I do too. I, um, I had them going, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I had them at around four and three at this point of the season. Uh at you know, seven weeks in, and I still think they'll be four and three. I thought I thought as the season went on they were gonna have some tougher games. You know, when you, I still look at this team as as a team that if you could just win one of these next two though, when you gotta think to yourself, you still have the Bills twice. You still have the Jets again at home, a team mm-hmm. you already beat in New York, and you still have the Patriots again at home where you tend to play them pretty well. Everything is there for the taking for the Dolphins. This is not like doom and gloom, like they're done, but they do have to figure some things out that clearly got exploited on Sunday and that weren't just a one-time deal. These are problems we've been talking about for a while, guys. That's why I, I, I hate to say it, but the way the Dolphins are set up now, they need to turn it around now because later in the season it will get tougher. Those games I talked about are great games when you're five and two, six and two, six and three, because then you got a chance to ten wins, maybe a playoff push. But when you're four and five, five and four, it's not going to make a difference. All right, so let me go back to sacks for a second. We're talking about the problems on on the offensive line. These are all choices, okay? These were conscious choices by the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins decided to get rid of Mike Pouncey. That is the direction that they chose to go. Pouncey's a guy who was hurt all the time, He, but he also was a leader along the line, an all-pro along the line. So that was a choice that they made. Their offensive line cannot protect Ryan Tannehill very well. Their offensive line Sitting cannot run. getting hurt, though, let's be honest. That, that was a that, good pickup, and he got hurt, and I agree. sucks. I it agree. Sucks. That, that, is, that is unfortunate. The problem with Tannehill... Okay, I'm going to talk about Tannehill versus Brady for a second. Even I'm not comparing the two because Brady's a Hall of Famer and Tannehill's Tannehill. But Tannehill's greatest fault, and we talk about it all the time, on the air, off the air, via text, is his pocket awareness, his ability to feel the rush, mm-hmm. his ability to get out of trouble. Which Adam Gase said this week he thought was improving, and all three of us kind of looked at ourselves and said, hmm? Well, the problem is when you have an offensive line that's shaky and a quarterback who doesn't feel the rush, that's a bad combination. I mean, again, go back to the Giants. Giants are in the same boat. They have a quarterback with no awareness. Or well, he's got no mobility. Or no bi- yeah. combined with no mobility. Well, Ryan can move. He's just got a feel He just it. doesn't know when yeah. to move, okay? Yeah. Versus Tom Brady, who there's the formula. There's no formula. Tom Brady's probably the greatest quarterback of all time. One, two, whatever you want to argue. Rodgers, mm-hmm. whatever. However you want to stack it. Brady's one of the all-time greats, right? The only time you ever see him not be great is when he's uncomfortable. And the only way to make Tom Brady uncomfortable is to pressure him. You are not going to beat Tom Brady if you don't sack him multiple times, sack him hard. Hit him often. And I saw Tom Brady get hit one time on Sunday. One time. And do you know what happened when he got hit? He pumped his fist because he had just thrown a touchdown. Well, later in the game, he threw an interception which, uh, when he got hit, but I didn't know why they were still throwing when they were up big. Right, yeah. he's uh, Yes, by that by that but point. But you're saying when the game mattered. Yes, when the game, when, when, yes, when the game yes. was not out of hand. Yeah. T- the, you, so, I know this. You know this. Why does the Dolphins' defense not figure out a way? 
and again, well, the, the and, body's out front. The well, body's okay, up front. And, that and, hurt, and again, we talk hurt, again we talk about choices, hurt. right? So we talked about we talked about the sitting injury. We talked about the choice with Pouncey. The other choice that they made, and this was an organizational choice, is they had a unique force on their defensive line that nobody else in the league had. Okay, and Dominican Sue. They chose to get rid of Indomitian Sioux, and their plan was, in lieu of that one big body, we're going to have a bunch of guys rotate through. Well, now you don't really have that much of a bunch anymore, and the branch injury is really hurting. As Clay said, William Hayes, maybe we don't appreciate how good he was both against the run, and he was sacking the quarterback. So now that they've thinned out a little bit at defensive line, that's a big problem. And if Tom Brady exploited it, you think think next week Cincinnati— Eight, you know, you think they're not going to be excited about the oh, opportunity? Look, I mean, they, they're they putting scored, up 30 points they a game. 38, 30, no, 37, 38 points on Sunday. And can I put a bow on this to, to build on David's point, Dookie's point? Did you watch that Rams-Vikings uh, game on Thursday night? Aaron Donald and Indomitian Sue are on the same line. Do you know who was getting the double and triple teams? Indomitian Sue. Right. And Aaron Donald was coming free. And and that's just because the offense and see what Indomitian Sue does. And I know that there was a feeling that he wasn't worth all the money, and you could argue whether or not defensive tackles are. But as we said in the offseason, you have a guy like that, a force, as Dookie put it, and it makes everybody else look better. And they don't have that right now. I will say this. We're going to wrap up the Dolphins talk because I think that at this point of the conversation— People we, are driving off the road. <laughs> people are getting the point. People, but, people are like, you know what? What's on the radio right now? Because I'm a little depressed. The Maybe bottom line—how about this? Let me turn, let me, let me turn <laughs> that, that frown upside down. Yeah. The Dolphins are 3-1 and one all alone in first place. And sing you, it, Clay. Sing you, it. If you told me four weeks of the season the Dolphins would be 3-1 and one all alone in first place in the AFC East— I would have signed up for it without looking at who, where they win, what they win, who they beat, who they lose to. The bottom line is they won. They won three games. You know, we've we talked enough already about the first three games, the, the, some of the things, the factors that went into victories, but they won. And they lost in a place that they haven't won in a decade, and they got pretty much humiliated by the Patriots, but it is just one loss. So the only thing we can do now, instead of saying it's the same old Dolphins, it's saying to the Dolphins, you know what? Show us next week and the week after that you're not the same old Dolphins. Meaning, try to go in there and beat Cincinnati. But if you don't, play a damn good game and show us a little bit more that you can compete. And then come back home and take care of the Bears. Or if you really want to show us you're, you're for real, then win the next two games. Right. Again, that's asking a lot. But the point is, if these are not the same old Dolphins, show us. Because on Sunday against the Patriots, they look like the same old Dolphins. All right, our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years for the best deal in South Florida, the best service. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. So before we even get to that Sunday game against the Bengals and the Dolphins, the Miami Hurricanes hosting the Florida State Seminoles. Those are words that uh, that we, when we say, usually get a little, you know, that, that, that excitement, the, the chills, the, the, the thoughts of all the history of this matchup. And here we are, the Canes are about a two-touchdown favorite against a pretty bad FSU team. You have Nikosi Perry now as your quarterback. The Canes are coming off a 37-point win. Clay, everything is leading to... This is going to be the kind of game where Miami goes out and takes care of their rival. Yet, I can't help but think that with 
two minutes left in this game, the game's going to be in question and somebody's going to have to make a big play. Well, yeah, the last time they were this big a favorite was wide left game in, in 2002, right? So, I mean, this is this is kind of what we're used to seeing is you, you have this big buildup and then all of a sudden the game's really close. How about last year? Yeah, yeah, last year? Yeah, this is the problem this time around, though. I watched that Florida State-Louisville game. Florida State is still bad, and, and they, they made some big plays at the end of that game. The only way Florida State is in this ball game at Hard Rock Stadium this weekend is if Willie Taggart lets DeAndre Francois throw the football. He has been so stuck on, on working with his offense and doing the thing that he did in Oregon, doing the thing that he did at USF, and, and the, uh, the, the lethal simplicity and all that, and it isn't until they fall behind and they allow Francois to throw the football, which is, you know, he is a quarterback, and this is something that he was good at before Willie Taggart got there, it isn't until they are forced mm-hmm. to throw the football that they're able to move the ball. And Francois is capable of doing we've that. We've seen it before. Yeah, are, they, are, are they going to be willing to let him do that at Hard Rock Stadium? I don't know. I don't know the yeah. answer to that. But I, I think if they do, could be a ball game. Yeah. If they stick with what they've been doing, no shot. Yeah, and this is a team that, again, Florida State has talent. I mean, Florida State gets the big recruits, and they have talent. And they, they've got ability, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I still think they can they – can, make the Coastal Perry make mistakes. And that's one thing. I want to turn our attention to Coastal Perry because I think that's what everybody wants to talk about. Uh, I thought he was excellent the other night. I think it's hard, though, to judge because North Carolina is so bad. But I, the one thing I didn't like about Coastal Perry, and that's to be expected as a youngster, and this is why I think a team like Florida State can maybe take advantage, is he can be baited into the mistake. Yeah. And it's common for a young player, and in this case a redshirt freshman, making a you know, start, his first start, uh, I thought he made a couple of mistakes over the middle, threw some passes he probably shouldn't have thrown. I think that that's the only thing that worries me. Like the Notre Dame and Virginia Tech games of last year, if the Canes can come out and get that energy and build a 10-0, 14-0 lead, I think it could steamroll and just they bury Florida State. But if this is a 3-3, 7-6, 10-7 type of game, you know, midway through the second, heading into the second half, then this this could be a little scary because we've never seen Perry in this kind of situation in a tight game in the second half needing to make plays. It's Miami, Florida State. I know I know that sounds very simple, but earlier in the year, especially when Florida State was, I think it was Samford they were playing and they were losing till late in the fourth quarter and then pulled that one out. And I'm like, my goodness, this Florida State team is just a mess. Like it's shocking how bad they are. The first, I think, after the first game when they played Virginia Tech, I th- I think a lot of people went. Man, Virginia Tech might be pretty good. Hmm. Like, like it, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, FSU was so bad. Then all of a sudden, FSU kept playing badly, and you're like, when is it going to happen? Because last year, when DeAndre Francois got hurt, it was okay. Well, they're waiting for Francois to come back. Well, now they have Francois, and and this team is just so bad. But it's Miami, Florida State. What do you think of Perry, though? I thought that he didn't have to do anything, so I can't really give him a grade. I had friends who were asking me, who who said, well, you can't grade Perry on the first game because that was FIU. Let's really see what he does when he gets to conference play. But that game was so lopsided. And, and it was so three And touchdowns. the defense, so yeah. when you're spotted to three defensive touchdowns, he didn't have to do anything. He didn't throw anything under duress. There were a few plays he tried to do too much. He ran around too much. He maybe forced the ball down the field. But I think relative to Rogier. Rozier, whatever we want to call him. Hopefully we don't have to say his name too much because Perry's going to be the guy. But he throws a stronger ball. He's more athletic. He he does more. He's not like play to not lose. He's play to win. He's the guy who can make winning plays. 
The question is, it's Miami, Florida State. Clay, you mentioned it, it's a two-touchdown spread or somewhere about a two-touchdown two spread. I'll tell you a little quick, cool story, bro, uh, you know, that will be your response, about Miami, Florida State and seeming like a blowout. It's my freshman year of college. I'm up in North Carolina. I'm at school, and I get a call from my folks, and they say, hey, do you want to fly home for Miami, Florida State? I thought about it. They're like, we'll fly you home. We'll give you tickets to the game. I said, I don't want to do it. They're like, why? I said, because Florida State's really, really good this year, and I really don't feel like getting on a flight, coming home, watching the Canes lose to the semifinal. No thanks. Like, FSU's just too good this year. I don't want any part of that. That was the shocky game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so the point is, that year they were supposed to be a juggernaut and, and you know, Dorsey to shocky. It's a, it's a historic game. And so I think just with Miami, Florida State, because so many – because the programs – compete for so many of the same guys and these guys play for the same high schools just the level of competition I don't think that's going to be too much for Perry I think Perry will be fine I just think even though Miami has a better team I'm not I wouldn't put my money on a two touchdown spread just because Miami Florida series it's just like you said it's just one of those things where where when you have those rivalry games regardless of of one team's up and the other team's down one team's ranked 17th the other team's not in the top it doesn't matter because ultimately what's going to happen is like you said there's going to come a point in the fourth quarter where the game is going to be undecided it's so rare and you have a few of the game you know the, the you have a few blowouts in the series 47 nothing and usually, oh my god they killed yeah, Roscoe usually like it's the, like a probation right. user or something but like generally that. speaking these games are decided in the last couple and and given that last Last year's game was decided in the final minute. I mean, there's no reason to think that this year won't be as exciting. I liked that Nikosi Perry made a couple of mistakes in that UNC game. I know Mm -hmm. that sounds crazy, but you have a night game. You are in front of a national audience on ESPN, and there is a little bit of pressure. And you're actually going up against really good athletes. UNC is is very poorly coached. Larry Fedora is going to be on his way out of there as soon as they can. Why doesn't he wear a fedora? It's a great question. Missed opportunity. How are you sure. named Fedora and he wears visors? By the way, I yeah. think his real name is Herbert. I think they said that on the. If he were Herbert video. Visor, he should wear a visor. Dude's uh, name is Fedora. <laughs> but uh, the point is that uh, you f- you took a step up in competition, a, a pretty pretty big step up. As bad as bad as North Carolina is because of the mistakes they make, they are talented, and you're going up against. I, I think you're going to take another step up in talent here. I like that Nikosi Perry was able to see in a game-like situation, in a game situation, what happens when you try to squeeze the ball into a window that's a little bit too tight. And it's a learning moment. He's going to get into the film room, and they're going to say, look, you can't do that one. This play that you made earlier in the ball game where the window was a little wider, that you can do. In this game against Florida State, such a stupid cliche at times, but I think it really applies here, a punt is going to be a win. So, whoa, 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 whoa. Have you seen Miami's punter this no, year? That's fair. No, 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 no. I think all. I think they're in four-down territory from the coin flip. Well, exactly. It's been benched, so. Turnovers are, are the only thing that is going to t- – if, if Florida State comes out and plays like they did the first half of the season so far, no shot. And I get it's a rivalry game, but if they come out with that same game plan offensively and you don't hand yeah. them the football in the red zone, Florida State didn't have a chance in this game. So I like that Perry saw what the consequences are when you do try to squeeze something in there. Mm-hmm. I like that a young quarterback got those uh, kind of those jitters out a little bit and was able to get that experience. I fully expect him to come out and play well, a little bit more conservatively, but I want to see growth as this game goes on. You know, I'm glad you said conservatively and you, you must have read where I'm going with this. There's only one th- thing I worry about, Mark Richt. You know, I have 
I have listened to Canes fans since Mark Rick got hired saying Mark Rick can't win the big game. He gets too conservative. He doesn't he doesn't go for it, so to speak. I don't mean for a single play, but just say, hey, let's just go out there and let's just run our plays the way we do and take some chances. He plays it kind of he plays a little bit close. You know, doesn't he? He plays a little bit like let's my defense make my plays. If it's a third and ten, twelve, maybe I'll run it. Let me not make stupid mistakes. Let me not put my team in a situation where they turn the ball over. That's a concern I have in this game because rivalry games tend to be close. My concern is Mark Richt, as good as his track record's been at Miami, his track record has been that he doesn't like to take a lot of chances. And I feel like at some point, and this is almost like when you talk about Perry and a, and a, and a quarterback and a young player learning, Mark Richt is far from a young coach. He obviously has the experience, but at some point as the head coach at Miami, I feel like he needs to just let the talent take over and trust his guys. And I think that's part of the problem with Rick. The only time I agree with his critics who go on social media and say he can't win a big game and he's terrible, I don't agree with that to that extent, but I do agree that he plays it a little too conservative at times, and I think he needs to let – look, against FIU, same story. They played a little conservative. They were changing things around. They wanted to take it easy. They just wanted to get out of there to win. FIU ends up scoring some points late. Not that it matters, but I just think that if you're if you're going to be a true top ten conference champ, play for a national title type team, you got to just go in there and use your talent and let them go. Rick needs to start doing that now. That conference has begun, and with this big game, go let your guys make plays and trust them to be that way. And I think that's the difference between Rozier and Perry. I think Rozier is a quarterback who who they won big games kind of not to spite him because he he managed the game and he made good decisions but it was sort of that distributor role where you just didn't want him to make mistakes you wanted him to find the playmakers Perry is one of your playmakers Mm -hmm. and I think what I what I have seen when Perry has been out there is guys like Hartley have become more part of the offense. Both of the freshman tight ends have become more a part of the offense. I think he distributes the ball better. And it to me, it looks like more players are engaged in the offense when Nikosi Perry is out there. Is that because he had more reps with them? Is that because I, I can't I can't even put a finger on it. Maybe it's because Thomas was battling uh dehydration. He, he but, plays more like I want Rick to coach to coach. Yeah, he, 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 he plays he, to he make plays, plays. He makes plays and he I feel like he awakens the playmakers on offense. I feel like guys go out and make plays for him in a way that they didn't Ferozier. I feel like the Canes offense, just by virtue of him being on the field, is more explosive. And I know that's a funny thing to say because they didn't really make a lot of explosive offensive yeah, plays against North Carolina, all, yeah. but they didn't have to. Short and I, I, I feel like I feel like Richt does tend to pump the brakes a little bit when they get a big lead. I don't think he's a and big lead. Sometimes he- it's not when he gets a big lead, when he, he wants to avoid a bad so if the game's seven three and it's a third and ten. I'll see him kind of be a little concerned. The handoff to Homer there. Yeah, or, exactly. Or, or, or playing it safe. Or, or screen to DJ Dallas. If they're Dallas deep in their own territory. Yeah, yeah I, I think you need to just let these guys Turn play. them loose. I think one thing we could all agree is the Canes have more talent now than they've had in the last few years. The talent, while it's not to an Alabama, Georgia, you know, Clemson even, especially on the defense, you know, type of national championship type team right now. I think that they've made a they've made a marked improvement on playmakers. You mentioned one of them, Harley, but I mean Jeff Thomas, the way he can make plays. We've seen the improvement there. DJ Dallas, you know, Lawrence he Cager. gets the ball. Lawrence Cager, all he does kid, is catch touchdowns. These guys in, in Lingard, a guy we we're not even going to see much of. He's a freshman. He could clearly make plays. Travis Homer's become a nice, consistent player. 
I think you see that those weapons there. The one thing we haven't talked about is their defense. Turnover chain came out six times the other day. They have, you know, we talked about the Dolphins rotating defensive ends and defensive players. They have guys on the defensive line that the Canes do. Some of them, I have to look at the roster and go, wait, who's this guy? And and read up, oh, yeah, that's the kid, their big recruit. Because they have so many bodies filtering through. The other day, yep. John Garvin made some big plays. And you're seeing these bodies, and obviously Jackson and these guys that make plays, and the secondary guys. Now, getting Jaquan back would be huge. Obviously, it's going to be important. Uh, but you look at these guys already with their linebackers that are already established that we know play well. The reality is, while I want Perry and the offense to kind of let loose and go, this is the defense is probably what's going to keep winning games for Miami. Well, and and that's kind of where I was when you were mentioning cutting it loose a little bit. I I think if I'm Mark Rick, and I know that fans might not like to hear this, I actually may play it a little conservatively for a while because I think Nikosi Perry is going to be that guy. By the way, I think he's going to be the guy that you can open it up with because he has the cannon for an arm and he's going to be able to hit some of those passes downfield that Rozier either didn't have the arm strength to, to squeeze it in or wasn't accurate enough deep consistently to make that play I think he's going to be that guy I think you want to do it slowly and I don't think you want to risk it in a game like this you're going to need it let him loose let him loose turn loose the the only team on your schedule that I think you will have to do that against to beat would be Clemson in the ACC title game I think also at Virginia Tech only because the atmosphere there changes the game by probably a score you know what I mean so and also and also the dink and dunk stuff and running the football Bud Foster's not going to let you do that that. but but he gave up 600 yards passing to Old Dominion that's a different story Um, so yes, I, that one potentially you may have to throw the ball down the field in order to win, but I think you can do it in a way that, that you don't risk the ball game in Clemson Mm -hmm. uh, against Clemson. If you play in the ACC title game, that's when I think you really, you need to build up to that. You you need to have every game kind of be a building block to get up to that. I want to throw that kid in there. I just want to, I want to see them make plays because I think the thing that Perry has that, you mentioned all the quality he has, but the one thing he does also have is a lot of playmakers around him. Yeah. And if, if you let a kid like that who clearly plays a lot of confidence in his ability and, yeah, maybe a little a little bit too amped up at times as you would expect the guy making his first start, but I think you put the ball in his, his hands and say, find all these playmakers that we have run around the field and in the backfield. I think he can make those big plays, and I think you couple that with a defense that when they when – they, especially when they carry turnovers, one of the best in the country – and not only do I think they beat Florida State, they could beat them handily. I agree. Yet I still think it's going to be a one-score game late in the fourth quarter. I don't know why. Well, I think we also have to worry about the uh, the door of the Explorer backpack coming out for well, Florida State. It, listen, if that backpack they, comes out too many times. And... I mean, are they are they really going to bring a backpack here? I, I, it's, it, this, this, we have to talk about this for a second. I mean, if you think about Florida State football, don't they have enough traditions? Seriously, they have, they have the chop. They have the spear in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. They, they have enough. Do they have to literally come up with a horrendous ripoff of their art? Well, some Gucci or Prada handbag. Or yeah, for for no like 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 I just I just I just picked the ball off. Give me my give me my school books. Can I it say just, it, it just makes no sense? Can, can I wrap this up with uh, the first imitation of the turnover chain that I actually really liked? Please. Did, did you see the West Virginia coal miners hat? I didn't know. That was cool. That's that how, was well, good. just alone, and but you're, you're telling me that sounds pretty it, damn cool. It, it's like a coal, because, I mean, it, that's West Virginia. You got the coal yeah, mines around there. That was the first one I saw, and I was like, you know what? 
West Virginia was Virginia Tech's. Uh, it's their oldest, biggest rival going back years and years. I should hate anything that West Virginia does. But that's pretty cool. I had to tip my coal well, miners. I, yeah, I, I, that definitely beats their throwing water bottles at the UM players on the sideline. Well, and and, and tiny gear Jack that they yeah. used to, that they were throwing rocks <laughs> yeah. at the Listen. UM bus back in the day chain. Those uh, are tr- true story. I, my understanding is that that I, I think part of how fans were treated was why Virginia Tech canceled the series yeah. with, with West Virginia. I believe Listen, it. I, I took a trip to Morgantown once to watch Miami game years ago when I was in college and uh, I never saw anything like that. that was the one where they tried to rock I think it was Daniel Ferguson the running back they yes. tried to rock oh, the ambulance yeah. Yeah. He, he hurt his leg in that game his knee and they tried to rock the ambulance over and that's where they threw the garbage can yeah. uh, the garbage cans and I, and I want to say did it hit Randy Shannon or I forgot who one of the assistant coaches it uh, hit well if it did he wouldn't have called timeout it, you, know, you always wow. got to go for the cheap shot always I love gotta, Randy Shannon yeah I'm sure you do can we stop this now? Let's, let's speaking, just... of, speaking of rotating quarterbacks, is he going to start Marv? Or is he, is there any, then he can bring in Ja'Cory for a series? And then bring so back in Marv the, the if good news is, playing well? The, the good news is, you know, we didn't talk about here when we talked about the Canes, is any kind of quarterback controversy. I think that the only way he goes back to Malik Rozier is if Perry just unbelievably gets hurt. Uh, no, unbelievably <laughs> struggles, like throws two, three picks and just struggles, or gets hurt. Yeah, so I think I think the Canes have found their quarterback. I think we have found the rival game, which is going to be on Local 10, by the way. It is a 3.30 game on Saturday. We'll all be there getting ready, uh, watching the game, and then doing a little post-game fun. Didn't you have – was was the West Virginia game – and I'm sure I'm confusing my stories. Didn't you have a friend get run over on the sideline? Oh, I, that's a different game. That was a different, different game. You want, you want to tell that one before we leave? No, I don't. Good chat. We can well. do that for the arcane fireside. Can we give that for like? Can we give that for like like members who like join like that special extra content? You, you, or you something? can you can pay uh, three to five dollars yeah. for their special Thanks. content information. That went well. I'm glad I brought send, that up. Send that to Dookie Lang, please, and uh, send some good luck to the Dolphins. They needed after the ugly performance. Go Canes.